From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Travis from Mission Mobile Medical. Travis, it's really nice to have you on. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So maybe to kick us off, if you could tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, what you're doing, the company you're building, all that stuff, I'd love to just dive in. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Mission Mobile Medical is a uh, mobile clinic builder and service provider. Mobile clinics are used to serve some of the most vulnerable folks in our society. They're used by hospitals, community clinics, opioid treatment programs to really go out into communities and see folks, give them sort of primary care or behavioral health. Really, there's a laundry list of things that folks do with these clinics, but we build them here in North Carolina. We've got about 100 folks in the building and uh, it's a really interesting business. It's been real fun because we stood it up like right before the pandemic started. And so uh, we've had to build this organization like through all of those. I say they're headwinds, right? Some headwinds and some tailwinds, but just a, an amazing group of people that I get to work with. And I look forward to the future. we got a bright future ahead of us. I love it. That's awesome. And, and tell me about yourself. Obviously, you know, you're head of everything there, but what does that role entail? Yeah, I spent about 15 years in construction before uh, starting this business. I had a couple of stops in between, but uh, really gave me, I think, a good foundation for doing what we do because we are building sort of specialty vehicles here. And my role as president and CEO is I'm the leader, right? I have this amazing team of folks that I'm, I tell folks I'm just humbled to have attracted these folks to what it is that we're trying to do. Some really high caliber people. And if you guys are listening, I love you all and everything that we've done and will do so because of you, your hard work and being servant leaders for sure. My role specifically, I think as a CEO is really to kind of play the navigator. I use the analogy of like a plane crashing in the forest and we all survived and, but we can't, we don't know really where we are. And, you know, if a guy stood up and goes, Hey, you know, follow me. That, that you probably wouldn't move very far. But if a guy said, hey, like on our way in, I saw a cabin or some cabins and I happen to have a map with me to get us where we want to go, follow me, you're probably more likely to follow that guy. So I'm the guy with the map, I feel like, and develop that map with contributions from not just folks inside the building, but it's my job to reach outside our walls and get good advice and figure out where the market's going and that kind of stuff. So high level vision. And then my biggest responsibility is really to be chief encouragement officer. I think that's what CEO ought to stand for because it's just up to me to make sure that people can reach their true potential, that we have an environment and a culture that lets people grow and be who they are and give them the opportunity in this space to help them just reach their their full potential, go as far as they're able to go. I love it. It's, it amazes me that the company that you built over 100 people just since really the time right before the pandemic. And I'd love to just dive into that. How do you get into this? I know we talked a little bit before this. Do you have a pretty cool story? I'd love to hear a bit of it and then what that journey's looked like. Yeah, for sure. So uh, like we were talking before, like I was VP of sales and marketing at this really big specialty vehicles company. And 
And we had an opportunity to build a mobile health clinic for a community hospital. And when the client shared with me personally, like how she was going to use the clinic to to go out into the communities and visit folks who didn't trust the healthcare system or people up in the mountains around us in North Carolina that couldn't or wouldn't drive to see the doctor. It really came over me. I was stunned because a few years before that, I lost my parents. And uh, and they were some people who didn't really trust the healthcare system. They grew up in the Appalachian Mountains and kind of farm families, and they wouldn't make the drive, you know, into the city. And so I was thinking, if somebody like her had visited them, built some trust, maybe had a mobile clinic program, that maybe they'd have been around to meet my wife, my daughter, those folks had a few more birthdays. And so through that experience, I really just got on fire. Uh, for this business. There's 46 million Americans in our country today who don't have access to healthcare, whether it's because of cost or access, lack of transportation, or they don't trust the healthcare system. And working on these projects, really, like I couldn't think of a better way to, to use my time, talent, and treasure. I love it. That's amazing. So what's really cool too is how you're able to build such a you know successful and big company over this time of challenge of like a pandemic and what did that look like and how did you overcome some of those challenges of lockdown and this or that restriction and all that stuff? Well, I will point back at the team. So we started literally around my kitchen table uh, and we had computers set up for our remote folks, but we're around the kitchen table and we're just trying to do the thing. And there was plenty of folks who needed and wanted mobile health clinics during the pandemic but also a lot of challenges, like you can't get them. And so I think our biggest challenge was the supply chain. Like even if you're going to build them, there's all these shutdowns. And I think our secret sauce really through that entire period was just to, to have a positive attitude, to talk ourselves into it rather than talk ourselves out of it. And this entire team is really ruthless about our assumptions. We talk about quite often, like, what do we think we need? Versus what do we really need? And Mm -hmm. are we creating some false constraints for ourselves just because that's how folks did it, you know, and how it's always been done? And I'll give you a great example. We were challenged really early on with buying chassis. And that's the core component in building a mobile medical clinic is the chassis that sits underneath. And our original assumption was that we had to buy those from Ford or Mercedes or Freightliner. That's what the entire industry been doing for 40 years. But we really went and challenged that. And we said, why do we need to buy directly from them? Like, aren't there a million chassis like scattered all over the country? Why can't we use one that they sold last year or five years ago? Yeah. And that really took us to two questions, right? Can we reuse an existing chassis instead of buying a new one? And if we do that, will customers buy them? And, and that took us to like this, there's this old saying in construction that, that steel doesn't care how old it is. And so that really led us to like, we can do this. We can use pre-owned chassis and we can build on them. And I can tell you after three years and 35 million in sales, I'm pretty confident the customers will buy them, right? They just need the thing to, to do what they want to do. It's like the saying about, you know, you're not selling drills, you're selling holes. Yeah, I love you know, we're selling a tool for those folks to provide health care. And it's an, just an amazing product, right? Like it's cheaper, faster, more sustainable, more reliable than anything else out there. And just lets us support clients in a way that nobody else can. So 
I love that creative thinking. It's really thinking outside the box of we have these goals and how do we accomplish it and given the challenges there. It's very cool. So it's a cool team, smart, smart folks here. Absolutely. So when it comes to acquiring new customers and, and finding opportunities and doing business development and all that, how have you approached that? Obviously, you found you said 35 million in sales in that time, and that's a lot. How have you done that? It is a lot. There's some some tactical things that we do, right? Like we have digital campaigns. We're out selling like everybody else. We have regional vice presidents scattered across the country, three sales offices. But outside of the tactical sort of day-to-day things, like it's very much strategy and our only strategy. And when it comes to sales and producing great customer experiences is, is really to value people. And I use this analogy all the time. Like, do you know, like how wide your field of view is, right? Like your peripheral, you know, like it's almost 180 degrees, right? But what few people know or think about is that your field of focus is only about three degrees. Like you can Mm. only focus three degrees at any given time. And so we felt like rather than trying to be everything to everybody and all, all this the, this product features and that sort of stuff, let's just focus on the people. There's no such thing as a business. It's just a group of people that happen to be working together. Maybe they wear the same color jersey, but they're trying to accomplish something. And we count our clients in that circle. They're just trying to accomplish something. We're here with them. We're trying to make it happen. You know, I think that most businesses don't really like people. I don't know that everybody's a people person. (laughs) Most businesses act like they don't like them. They don't like dealing with them. You hear them joke around and say, if it wasn't for customers, I wouldn't have any problems. If it wasn't for employees, I wouldn't have any problems. And and I don't feel think that that's funny, right? Like I think we have to to work with people and really concentrate on our relationships if we want to make the most of our opportunities. So we're very intentional about being in the people business. And if I had to point to any one thing that let us have the revenue and the growth that we've had, it's because we are about people and other folks are about products. I love that. Kind of going along those lines, I think at least when I've started a company and even started this current company, there's almost this danger to feel like, oh, I can do it all myself and you know, need all the people and all this. What was your approach to people when it comes to, like you said, you have the regional people and directors and sales and all that. Did you immediately say like, as soon as I can hire someone in this role, let me go find someone? Like, how'd you go from zero to a hundred so quickly? That's a great question. So I guess it's a philosophy, right? And I don't really know where it came from, but I've always had the idea that that business owners or managers, leaders look at their people resources through two lenses. One, it's like, let me get the business and then I'll hire the people. That's one way of going about business. The other way is hire the people and the business will come. And I think that's how that we've been, right? Is we've just said, we're looking for people to add horsepower to our team. And the more horsepower we have, the faster we can go. And if we go faster, then that's a competitive advantage. And if we hire bigger and better folks who know more than we do about what we're trying to accomplish, then 
there's no reason for folks to work with anybody else. Like we just have the best people in the business and the best people, the best capacity. And, and honestly, I'll say like, I'm biased obviously, but I mean, it's the people that are attracted to what we do. They have a heart for service. And when you have a client base, that's all about service. Our clients are typically federally qualified healthcare centers. They're safety net healthcare providers and they're not in it for the money. And I know that's a little cliche. I mean, everybody has to pay their bills, but there's dip, right? Like they're not selling widgets, paper clips, office chairs. Those are fine businesses, but these folks are out in homeless shelters and folks who just don't have anybody in their corner, folks who don't qualify for some healthcare support or are somehow avoiding the system. And it takes a lot of guts to to be at what we consider the work face, right? Like to think about it, if you're in any city in America, you know, you probably drive by like a homeless camp and these folks don't drive by, they stop and they get out and they say, Hey, like, how are you feeling? Like, is there anything I can help you with? And I just think that takes heart and take guts. And our team really reflects that they have the same heart and the same guts. Absolutely. And I think I heard you mention servant leadership. For those mm-hmm. maybe less familiar what does that mean? I, it's something I'm really fascinated with reading some of John Maxwell's books and all that. Love to just Maxwell. hear your take on it. Yeah, same, same. I've been a, uh, a Maxwell mentee for a long time, right? 15, 20 years, I think. And fortunate enough to spend some quality time with John you know, over the past few years. I think the idea of servant leadership is just that you value people for who they are, not what they can do. And this idea that all people are valuable, right? Whether they're doing what you want them to do or not, like they still have value and that that a leader's job is to to support and to serve, right? The folks on their team. And that if you can create a culture of uh, of the team who serves each other, then you're going to have a good experience, I guess is what it is. And and not just, so a good experience would be different for some people. Like they go, oh, Travis, will that make me successful? It might not make you successful by the world standards, but it'll damn sure make you significant. We all have probably experienced somebody in our past, whether it's a parent, a teacher, a pastor who has left their mark on us. And it's because they cared about you for for some sliver of time, right? Like when you were in their orbit, they cared about you and they did something probably for you. And and that's significance. There's a big difference in being successful. There's a lot of people who have money and they're successful and that's great, but they're not significant, right? Like their people hate working for them or their their workplace is toxic and you got go no further than your phone, right? And you'll see 10 news stories about layoffs and all kinds of stuff where people just, they don't have a culture of caring or serving. And so- mm. That's part of part of our core values is uh, it's in every job description. It's everywhere. It's plastered all over the walls. Like and it's like marked us. Right. Because we've seen the difference that it makes. Like you don't get to have done what we did without being the kind of people who take care of each other. Absolutely. I love that. As we're wrapping up here, just to recap, you built this big company successfully. You found a product. There's a need. What is building the sales and marketing team been like? How did you approach that? Did you just hire an agency to figure some stuff out originally or 
did you like find a head of sales and they figured it out or what was the strategy there? So it's been very collaborative. Uh, I'll tell you what it's not is hiring an agency. And as much as I love marketing agencies and they do add a lot of value to the world, our experience has been like, it has to be organic, right? Like the people have to be organic and nobody's going to tell our story the way we tell our story because part of selling, right? And the sales organization is a transfer of enthusiasm, right? Classic Zig Ziglar, Bron Tracy. Outside agencies are not enthusiastic about what we're doing necessarily. They're enthusiastic about their business and they should be, but we're the ones who tell our story the best. So we've done everything internally. We did have, I do have a uh, vice president partner of sales and, um, He's been fantastic. He was like employee number five, right? Four or five around the kitchen table nice. and, uh, before, before we graduated out of, out of my house. And he's been fantastic. Our original goal was let's sell one and then talk about what, you know, like see what our opportunities were. After we sold one, we're like, well, let's see if we can sell another one. And then it just snowballed from there. And now we're selling 10, 12, 15 a month. So it's uh, nice. it, He's been very successful and made us very successful. I'm very grateful for to have him on our team. That's awesome. And in order to accomplish that, like what took place? Did you guys just start picking up the phones and talking to these health departments and whatnot? Or what, what did that look like? Yeah, there's a lot of technical stuff. I mean, we run digital marketing campaigns. We have... I mean, what I would consider any agency does, right? Like in in pay-per-clicks and SEO and and content and landing pages and conversions and, you know, all that sort of stuff we do in-house. And and we have a director of marketing who's ACES. And same thing, right? Like if, if you add horsepower to your team, then they produce things that you never would have fathomed that you could produce. And uh, Charlie Munger calls it a Lollapalooza. When you get like all these factors that in and of themselves are good, but when you weave them together, they become great. He calls that the Lollapalooza effect in a business. And I think that that's something that's happened here. So you get a great vision, you get a great market, you get a great client base, you get a great admin team, you get a great sales team, you get a great marketing team, you get a great fabrication team. I mean, servant leaders all around and and you have outsized impact. It is, it's been quite a ride so far. And there's more to come. We have a path, a path to greatness. I'll tease that. You can have me back next year and see how it turned out. But uh, just a lot of things on the table for us. And uh, and we're just, we're happy to play a little part. And like I said, like trying to help some of the most vulnerable folks in our society. There's a lot of people here who have that mark on their heart. So. I love it. Well, Travis, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and insights. Thank you. I appreciate you reaching out and it's been a great experience. And uh, I'd recommend not just listening to your podcast, but anybody else that that you'd want, like I'll I'll vouch for you anytime. Absolutely. It's been a great experience. Thank you. Much appreciated.